Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Just worship you, Lord. Help us to know, Lord. You are God. Help us to know you a little more today, Lord. Help us to be still in your presence, O Lord. That we might hear your voice. Help us, Lord. Help us. So many issues concerning life. There's only one who has the answer. To every problem we face. Every situation we are in. It's only one voice who has the answer, the definitive answer, you, Lord. Help us to hear from you, Lord. Help us never to still that voice. Speak of peace into every heart. Your peace I speak. Touch our ears, the blood of the Lamb. That our ears may hear. Speak to us this morning, Father, once again. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We were looking last Sunday at, from the book of Joshua, New Year, second Sunday, crossing over. A new generation that crossed over. We looked at two generations in the beginning of last Sunday's message. Both generations had the same promises. The generation brought out of Egypt by Moses and the generation led into the promised land by Joshua. Both had exactly the same promises because it was the same God who spoke to them. But one generation wandered in the wilderness, never fulfilled their purpose in their lives, God's purpose in their lives. God took care of them. Ultimately, they all perished in the desert. Another generation walked with them for 40 years in the same desert, learned the lessons of the wilderness, moved into the promised land under a new leader, appropriated every promise of the Lord, and scripture says, not one promise of God failed in their life. And they had rest, which God had promised them. So promises are there. God is the same. But question is, do we believe? If we believe, will we obey? Will we put aside? So we saw last Sunday from Joshua chapter 3. We'll continue from the same verses. We saw from verse 1 to 7 where they are getting ready to move. Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove, came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lords there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. 
And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He told the priest carrying the ark to cross over, and the people would cross over. That's why we gave the message, the title, Cross Over. And today the title would be Cross Over Part 2. The first thing we see in verse one which we looked at last week in detail is early in the morning do not delay there are things in life if you delay it would lose its effect and one of the reasons God's people miss out on a lot of things which God has in plan for them is because of procrastination we delay in dealing with the things which we need to deal. Yesterday for the young, the men who were there, we were looking at prioritizing, focusing. You have to put priorities in your life. There are priorities in the people in the world. They are very clear about their goals and they succeed in the world and that they die miserable, go to eternity unless God touches them at the end without knowing God. But they know success in the world is connected with focus and you know what your priorities are. You put your focus. But for God's people, it doesn't work that way. When God's people put priorities, God says, always the spiritual first. Because God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And we need to realize we don't evaluate ourselves in terms of the successful people in the world. They will give you successful models from the world and try to teach it in the church. We don't appropriate those principles, though it may have some value. Because we are not trying to succeed in the world. We are trying to be a success in the kingdom, which goes beyond this life. That's why we look into the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is actual record of how God dealt with people. New Testament is doctrine. And we learn doctrine of the New Testament from the lessons God has shown practically in the Old Testament. And we learn the spirit first. Always the spirit first. And Jesus was the most successful person who ever walked on earth. It may not look like that in our eyes, but he was the most successful person who ever walked on earth. And if you look every day, early in the morning, he began with the Spirit. He began in prayer, finding out the will of God for him for that day. Bringing his Spirit under subjection to the Spirit of God. So you will see, that's how he began. The Spirit first. Always prioritize in spiritual terms. So how do you prioritize as a believer? God, right at the top. After that is family. When I say family, there are two parts for some of many here. Not in the people in the world. The people in the world, it's very clear. They have only one family. We have two families. We have a physical family to which we were born into. We have a spiritual family which we were born again into. 
So many of us have two families. Many of us have two families. But prioritize both. Take care of the physical with the physical. What they need in the physical. But align your spirit and heart with the spiritual. Did you get it? If you have a physical family which is not spiritual, you take care of their physical needs if that's your responsibility. But align your spirit only with the spiritual. Now this is not something which I am telling. This is something which Jesus practiced. He took care of both the spiritual and the physical. Even when he walked on earth, he was born into a family, but he was born from above. And here is he walking with the spiritual and the physical. Look at what he says about the spiritual. In uh, Luke chapter 8, And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. This is his physical family, his actual physical family, his mother and his brothers, his other half-brothers. Look at his response. His response is this. My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. He said, there is nothing they require of me. All the needs have been taken care of. What do they want from me? Whatever they need from me, the physical needs has been taken care of. Now, what I have to offer here, they are not willing to receive. They are outside. So when it comes to the spiritual, he says, all the sisters sitting over here, all the brothers sitting over in my meeting, they are my mothers and my brothers. Okay. So he was very clear of putting the spirit ahead of the physical. Yet he never neglected the physical. He knew his responsibilities there are in the physical too. So you will see at the end, even at the crucial, painful moment in John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Yet he did not forget his physical responsibility. When he is dying, He looks at John and he tells him, take care of my mother. Take care of my mother. I always have struggled with scripture as to why Mary struggled with unbelief. Because the only time you see her actually reacting in belief, in absolute faith, is when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. After that you will always see it's unbelief. When you listen to her conversations, when she speaks to him and he's lost, not lost, actually found in the temple for three days, she doesn't understand what he's saying and she treasures all that in her heart. When she offers, brings him at the 40th day to the temple when Simeon speaks, they're all amazed. When they should be very clear about what he's saying, this, my son, is the son of God, He is born for this incredible purpose and then you shouldn't be amazed. But you will always see that she struggled with unbelief about her own son. So you will never see her being mentioned in scripture with anything specific other than the birth. Jesus never commissions her with anything. Are you getting how Jesus works? Jesus doesn't commit anything spiritual even to the hands of the one who is the closest to him in the physical. Nothing spiritual. She's not there on the resurrection Sunday morning. She's not there. 
Bible never says he appeared to her after he rose again from the dead. The only time she is finally mentioned is on the day of Pentecost. That, after that, you see she is sitting there with the other apostles praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Okay, So Jesus is very clear. He says, I have a physical family here and I have a spiritual family here. I will take care of them and I will take care of them. But priorities are different. Priorities are different. So always remember, we have to get our alignment of what is first from scripture. From scripture. And not from any model you have in the world. God has set his model for us. How do you prioritize? How do you focus in life? So there are this call of God for us, everybody. There is this call of God. There are primarily two calls of God. Like we are talking about the promise we got on for watch, for this year. And the song, the prayers, Lord I want to dwell with you, I want to seek you, I want to know more about you, I want to obey you. This is the prayer of so many people. But remember there are fundamentally two calls of God in the Bible. One you see in Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you go to verse 20, this is the call of God. What is this call? Come to me. All you labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to me. In Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There are two different calls. One is come to me. The other is come after me. And they are not the same. They are not the same. And all our life, we will have to respond to both calls. Every day we are going to him and every day his spirit is telling, come after me. Every day. Every day we have burdens with which we have to go to him first and he gives us rest. And when we have entered into his rest, we hear the other call of God saying, come after me. Yes, here, look here. Yesterday you heard focus. Okay, why did I tell the young people, how do you focus? By looking into the eyes of the speaker. That's one way in the classroom we teach. Look in the eyes of the speaker so that you are making a conscious effort to focus. Because focusing is not easy, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Okay, look here. Young people, okay, look here. Don't look here and there. And don't have this glazed look in your eyes, meaning you are looking at me, mind is wandering. Okay, okay, focus. We'll teach you very well here. Okay, we'll teach you. Even if you don't go further in the kingdom, at least you will use that discipline in the world and succeed. Okay, come to me, come after me. These two. When we come to him, He gives us rest. In the rest, we hear the second call of God, come after me. 
Many, many people haven't responded to the second call because they still haven't found rest for their souls. They're still struggling. Still struggling. Still struggling. Because you know what the call of God in Hebrews 4 is? Labor to enter into my rest. Labor to enter into my rest. So, so many are still responding to the first call of God, struggling with the first call of God, unable to put the burden at his feet, whatever that burden it is, and walk away free with his yoke upon yourself. And suddenly you see his yoke is light. Then you are able to respond to the second call, that is, come after me. There are two aspects to this call. I said, come unto me and come after me. And they are connected every day of our life. In Psalm 53 and verse 2, scripture says, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who see God. Even today. I will use brute forces. Look at me. God doesn't. He looks down from heaven, searching every heart to see Is there anyone who understands? Is there anyone who really seeks after me? Like I said, because after some time, even the most fiery Christian becomes traditional. Because going to church on a Saturday becomes a habit and becomes a tradition. So this is not necessarily the time you actually seek God, though you are seeking God. You seek God when you are in the privacy of your whole room, your home, that's when God sees, are you seeking me? And he says, he's looked down from heaven. He looks down upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. And it doesn't matter whether you're Christian, Muslim or Hindu. It doesn't matter. He's just looking for anybody who's crying out, oh, living God, I know there is a living God. I don't know your name. Are you there? He will move heaven and earth so that he will reveal himself to them. He looks every day, every hour to see if there is anyone who seeks for him, who seeks to know him. So we are talking about God leading us. When it comes to God leading us, okay, we want to be led by God. Okay, That's why we seek. When do we seek? We need because we want guidance. Lord, I don't know where I am going this year. Only two weeks down. Another 50 weeks to go. So many things, decisions to be made. When it comes to God leading people, Bible is very clear. That's why God says, is there anyone who understands? Anyone who understands me? Who tries to understand me? When it comes to leading, Bible is very, very clear. God leads only the humble. We saw that. We saw that last Sunday. We saw the worship leader speaking about it. God only leads the humble. Why? Because pride sees no need to inquire of God and take time to seek his face. Pride doesn't. One of the reasons believers have so many problems in their life is that is how God breaks our pride down. And break, brings us to the point where we are ultimately by circumstances forced to seek him. In Psalm 25 and verse 9, God says, the humble he guides in justice. The humble he teaches his way. He, he teaches. 
most of our life god spends in trying to make us humble then the last few years of our life he teaches us if you look at jacob's life most of jacob's life god was struggling to make him humble then the fast final few years he taught him because if you really see from heaven's viewpoint it is both absolutely proud and foolish to live independent of god presuming what we do is right what we do is intelligent and what we do if you're a christian is his will we presume and david made this terrible mistake of not seeking god's direction he presumed a lot of times that is why he prayed this incredible prayer in psalm 19 he says keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins how do we get into presumptuous sins we presume without seeking god without seeking god what we do without see without understanding god that's where god is there anyone who understands me is there anyone who understands me we presume you presume if you're working in a private company which owns owned by somebody can you presume that this is what the owner wants to do and do it your way no you see in the world we are very very careful we are very careful but we are not careful with god we presume we presume a lot of stuff ah this is what god wants and i'm going to do it god says david let them not have dominion over me then i shall be blameless then i shall be blameless and i shall be innocent of great transgression don't presume try this year to understand god more try to seek god because we presume a lot of things about god we presume we pick one words you know one words and we make a theology out of it without going through scripture to see the entire picture of how one word in the bible itself can be used so many different ways and show a complete picture of god we presume in zephania god talks about people who don't seek him in chapter 1 verses 4 to 6 i will stretch out my hand against judah and against all the inhabitants of jerusalem i will cut off every trace of baal from this place the names of the idolatrous uh priest with the pagan he is talking about all those who go into all those who have gone into idolatry and all that stuff those who worship the host of heaven on the house tops those who worship and swear oaths by the lord but who also swear by milcom okay now this first five he say okay i am not into it he says but look at verse 6 those who have turned back from following the lord and have not sought the lord nor inquired of him He says, "I'll turn away from not only those who are outwardly, absolutely into idolatry and pagan worship and occult practices, and not only them. He says also those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of Him. Don't presume. Don't even presume you are seeking God when you are not seeking God. That's what I want to tell you. Because one thing God likes is He loves honesty." I like young people sitting with their notebooks and pencils and this thing and all I say praise God that's a very good habit 
But God knows whether you are serious or not. If you are serious, when you go back in the home in the evening, in the evening you will sit with the Bible and go through the references and you will go through it. When I went this time to that country, the young man who is the pastor, when I first met him was in class 9. This time when I met him, he took me his old diaries and he showed me, Sir, 2001, January 2001, February, yes, Sir, this is your message, this is your message. Your messages have never changed. You are preaching today what you preached and only it has gone deeper and deeper and deeper. It's still the same. I have a record of it all with me. How many years back? How many years back? This is good. This is good. You come to my house, I can give you my diaries from 1980s. Bible study is there, not I took, others taught. It is there. This is good habit. But the question is, are you serious? God is looking at that. There is somebody in this church who is serious, who really wants to understand me. And God says to him, to her, I will reveal myself. I will reveal myself. That takes an incredible level of humility. Lord, I really want to know you so that you can guide me. And that's how he lived on earth. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, here Jesus says, He answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Son can do? Yet he says everything was created by him, for him, through him. But he says, I can do nothing of myself. What he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in a like manner. He says, I am dependent upon my father for every move I make. I seek his counsel, I receive his counsel, I keep his counsel. That is incredible humility. Those scriptures say he is God and equal to God. Incredible humility. That was the level of humility and dependence upon which Jesus walked on earth. And it takes humility to sit with the word of God and seek guidance from God. It takes humility to steadfastly look for God to speak to you. The very act itself is telling God, I need your guidance. It takes humility to be steadfast in fellowship. Why? Because you are acknowledging, I am part of the larger body that is going in the same direction. What does fellowship mean? What does fellowship mean? Why do you fellowship? It means, I recognize I am part of this body and we are all passengers in the same bus going in the same direction. And when you cut away from fellowship, you are saying, maybe, I don't know where you are going, but I am going this way. It takes in enormous humility to genuinely, regularly fellowship. Genuinely, regularly fellowship. The proud cannot fellowship. They cannot fellowship. Jesus could fellowship with the rabbis to the little children. He could fellowship. Cutting away from fellowship is not a sign of knowledge. It's a sign of pride. And God says it takes enormous humility to say, Lord, I am dependent upon your word. I am dependent upon your body. Because when I am in the body, at least I realize we are all in the same direction. And I can hear, I can encourage, and I can be encouraged. I understand we are all in the same boat. 
Because there is a God who really, really looks for people who seek Him. In Exodus 15, look at the promises, the words God uses, 15, 13, 1, 3. In your mercy, you in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. God says, in your mercy, you led your people. You redeemed them, you led them, you guided them, and in your strength, you brought them where? To yourself, to your habitation. This is what God does. This is what God wants to do. He not only redeems us, He leads us. He not only leads us, He gives us the strength to walk. But ultimately, what is the destination? Not where we want to go, but where He wants to take us. In Deuteronomy 33, verse 3, listen. Yes, He loves the people. All His saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet and everyone receives your word. Everyone receives your word. Yes, He says, He loves the people. The saints are in His He loves the people, but the saints are in his hands. Why? Because they sit at his feet. And everyone receives your words. Saints are those who humbly seek him each day. God says, you are before me, you are in my hand. And they shall sit at my feet and I will give you my word. In Psalm 32 verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I will guide you with my eye. I will guide you with my eye. That's how we do with our children. When our children were growing up, first we led them by hand. Let them, we led them by words. And then we led them by our eye. I can read that young man's face better than anybody's face. Because one look at him, I know what he's thinking. That's how you lead. First you lead by hand because you know they cannot walk. Then you know they have got a few little strength. You lead them with words. And after that, you don't even have to lead them with words. You can lead them with an expression. Lead them with my eye. He says there are different levels in which God will lead us. God says, grow in it. Expect this year, O Lord. I want to really draw near to me. And I want to be led by you. In Psalm 48 and verse 14, Scripture says, For this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide, even to death. Can you imagine? He even will guide you in your death. From birth till death. He says, I will be your God who will guide you. In Isaiah 30 and verse 21, Scripture says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, he says, I will whisper in your ear. You will hear me. I will speak to you. There's no confusion with God. As you grow older and older, not in age, but in the Lord, there is less and less confusion. In Isaiah 48 and verse 17, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. You look at all these verses, promises, which God makes, it should give us great comfort. You know what? I am not lost. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to beat around aimlessly, worrying, wondering where my life is going. I have a father who is God, who is willing to guide me all the way, even unto my death. Unto my death. And his future, my future is absolutely sure. We may not understand, but on the other side, we will yesterday's uh, daily devotion you got. 
missionary who goes to China. And from China, all he wants is to go to Korea. And with these Chinese scriptures translated, he goes to Korea. The the ship is stuck in the sand. The people get in. They kill all of them. Then he goes in with his books. First thing he gets is one knock on his head. His brains come out and he dies. The man who killed him takes, finds the books in the, in the water. He takes it. He can't read Chinese. And he takes it to his house and he plasters it all around his house. That's what people do in poor countries. Then he had gone somewhere. A couple of weeks he comes back later to his house. He finds a bunch of Chinese scholars outside his house reading that. One of the men gets saved. And that man's nephew translates the Bible into Korean. Did that man die in waste? No. When the history of the church in Korea is recorded, the first stone will be written is that man's name. He's a man, God, who guides us even unto death. And there is profit. For God and for his kingdom and for his saints. So there is no shadow of turning. There is no waste. But the thing is that to be led by someone, I have to come an increasing measure to an end of myself. That's why Jesus says, come to me. Take my yoke. Take my yoke. Nobody, none of us likes to be led. None of us likes to be led. We are all like Peter who wants to lead the Savior. Forever telling Savior, this is how, this is, this is how you should do. We all want to lead God and we don't realize much of our prayers are leading God. Much of our prayer. That's why they ask Jesus to pray. Teach us to pray. He says, this is how we need to pray. Thy will be done. I don't think they like that prayer very much. Have you ever Ask this question to yourself when you read the Bible. I don't think ever any man prayed like Jesus did. And every prayer of his was answered. Yet no prayer of his is there in the Bible. Yet no prayer of his. Why? Because we will take it as a mantra. It's a mantra. God says no. Prayer is conversation between a child and his father. It cannot be taught. It has to come from your heart. And the more you surrender to the will of the father, the more genuine your prayer will become. Can you imagine if one prayer of his was recorded? Even our father was a model only, which that is what is repeated in every church for the past 2000 years ago. Everybody will stand up and say, the fellow who hasn't repented, the fellow will never listen to God, who will never read the Bible, beats up his wife, he'll also say, thy will be done. God says, no mantras. This is life. These are not mantras, this is life. Because none of us Likes to be led. Even Peter wants to lead the Savior. But God told Jesus, Jesus told Peter at the end, in John 21 verse 18, he told Peter, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. Look at all our young men. They gird themselves and they go where they wish. But God says, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. That's when you know you are led. Because whenever you are led by God, He will always lead you where you don't want to go. 
don't want to be. When you are young, you lead God and say, I'm serving God. God says, no, you are using my name and saving, serving yourself. A day will come when you will say, Lord, I surrender. God said, okay, now let's begin. So humility and faith has to lead to obedience. I'm not talking about faith here, the other way by which God leads, because we have heard enough and we'll continue hearing about faith. One of the primary conditions of being led by God this year, you want God to lead you, be humble. Be humble. Okay? Be humble. There are no autonomous bodies in heaven, on earth. Everybody is accountable. And if you are unaccountable, then you are disconnected from the kingdom of God. Even I am not unaccountable. Almost five days a week, I and my pastor, we meet every morning and we talk and we pray. We are accountable. We are accountable. Every shooting star will come down otherwise. You are not accountable as a child. You are not accountable as a family member. You are not accountable as as a church member. You are not accountable in your office. Where will you go? Okay. It takes humility to be accountable and to be led. Jesus was the most could have been the most independent person on earth, but he chose not to be. He chose to be accountable. The second part. Another condition, primary condition in order to hear God's voice and to be led by Him is to have a yielded will, a will that yields to God, yields to another. That's why He said, come to me. And then He says, take my yoke. God's level of direction in anybody's life will depend upon the level we are willing to surrender our will. Please know this. God has always laid his order. Parents over children. Men over their households. Employers over employees. Shepherds over sheep. Did you get it? What do we have? We have home. We have workplace. We have church. And then the nation of course. But most of us never deal with the CM and PM, so we can leave them out. Maximum, the, the, the only government representative who regularly comes to our house is the Kachadawala. He represents the government to take our garbage. That's the government we meet. So we leave the government out of it. But other than that, three people. House, workplace, and church. Everywhere God has put an order. And God has said, I am watching how you yield to this order. Whether I can lead you. Even when the leadership went wrong, he still guided those who yielded their will to the will of God. Leadership can go wrong. Leadership may not even understand. You may be absolutely smarter than your parents. Your parents may be in the village and may be illiterate. That's irrelevant. Maybe irrelevant. I worked among the, I told you long time back, I worked among kids who were first generation students in my classroom 25, 30 years ago. In a country where education had just come in. So all the parents were illiterate. Illiterate, all, never went to school, never knew anything. 
They always used to tell my students, I catch you in public transport, making fun in the public fun of these illiterate ones. You are in trouble with me. Because order has got nothing to do with literacy. Nothing to do with literacy. God never says, obey your educated father and mother. Did he say? said that. Look at order. When order is there and in Luke, yeah. Luke 2 verse 51. Then he went down with them to now we know from scripture very well somebody went up to Jerusalem when somebody went down to Jericho. Okay. Jesus is up and he doesn't want to go down. But he comes under order and goes down with them to Nazareth. He knows every time he has to walk with his parents who do not really know God. He has to walk down to their level. Yield to their will. He's the one who created both of them. That's why the first cry of Mary in her song is, My soul rejoices in my God, my Savior. Prophetic song. But he went down and was subject to them. Subject to them. Leadership can go wrong. Leadership may not understand you. That's irrelevant. If you want God to lead you. If you want God to lead you. In Genesis 20 and verse 3. And God came to Abimelech in dream by night and said to him, Indeed you are a dead man. In our language he says, You put a finger on that woman, you are gone. The second time it's happening. Is leadership right? Leadership is wrong. Who is the leader here in the family? Abraham. What did he say? That's my sister. The king took her. Leadership is absolutely wrong. But she yielded to her will because she knew God's order. God intervened on her behalf and said, you touch her, you're dead meat. You're done. This is what Peter is talking about. In 1 Peter chapter 5, chapter 3 verse 5 and 6, For in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. There are so much here. First they are called holy women. Why? Because they trusted God. And adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Does that mean the husband is right? No. Which husband is right? Who tells his wife is his sister so that he can save his own skin? He's a coward. But God said that coward happens to be kept there by me. And you stay under my order. I will put my hand and rescue you. I'll rescue you. So Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. Whose daughters you are if you do good and not afraid with any terror. Terror. That's what Bible is talking about. You're one above you can be absolutely wrong. That's irrelevant. Are you yielded to the will of God? Will of, will of God. Look at another case. Employee, employer case. Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Is his master right? Is he a righteous man? Does he know half as much as Joseph knows? No. Did God prosper Joseph? 
Why? Because he yielded his will to the will of God. And so that's the order. I'm fine. That's the order. I am fine with it. Verses 20-21. Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with. Is he yielded? Does he have righteous masters? No. Is he yielded? Yes. Does he prosper? Yes. Did Jesus prosper? Did Sarah prosper? Did Joseph prosper? Did the leadership above them, were the leadership above them right? No. Was he one perfect leadership before we will yield? God says there is nothing like that on earth. Not even did my son get one. You'll find that in heaven. But he says, when you have learned to yield your will to imperfect leadership, heaven will be a pleasure to submit to godly leadership. So understand that. You want God to lead you increasing mission. Otherwise, it just stops. You don't go anywhere. Somewhere along the road, you strayed. And you're stuck, wandering, 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 like the children of Israel in the desert. Wandering, 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 wandering. Eating, drinking, wonderful clothes, want exercise. God kept them fit. Eat, drink, and walk. Eat, drink, walk. Eat, drink, walk. Hmm? That's what they did for 40 years. But what was the reason? They could never yield themselves to leadership. Never. Never. God said, wonder. You don't want to wander in our Christian life. What a waste. What a total waste of life and resources of the very kingdom of God, the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Everything is available wandering. How many years? 40 years. Aimless. Don't lose your life. Don't lose your life. Yesterday I was telling the young people, I think I told you also once. Remember the stray dogs? Oh, the stray dog thinks he's the king of the jungle. He wanders around. He chases every car and bike. He goes after, let me use that term with its actual meaning. He chases every bitch with a female dog. Okay. Chases every female dog. He leaves his mark at every pole. And he thinks he's free. Yet you go to the airport or you go to the army. You see another dog. It's got a leash. And you see an officer with stars. The officer is not leading the dog. The dog is leading the officer. Because he's been trained to sniff for cocaine and for explosives. And lives are saved because the dog is focused. And when those dogs die in the army, they're given a soldier's funeral. God says, what do you want to be? A stray dog or a sniffer dog? The problem with the stray dog is that he runs around thinking he's a free bird and one day the MCH fellow comes with a net and he's gone. The other fellow, his life is always under a leash, yielded to the will of his master. And one day when he dies, he's given a hero's funeral. God says, what, what is your life? How do you want to look at life? How do you want to end? How do you want to end? How do you want to run this race? 
That's what scripture says. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You see, the mighty hand of God is like this. It spans the whole universe. Under that hand, there are many, many, many hands. Our problem is not with this hand. Our problem is that if it was only your hand, I would submit. But the problem is there are many hands. God says, learn from them first. My son did, you to do. Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due season. Moses humbled himself under the hand of Jethro. Jacob humbled himself under the hand of Labat. Two poor men who had to humble themselves under the hands of their father-in-law. Because they were incredibly stubborn men. But that's the only way God could bring them to their God-ordained destiny. When God's work of humbling them was complete, suddenly God will speak. What will he speak? In Genesis 31, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, where you made a vow to be now arise, get out of this land, return to the land of your family. Then go. Work complete. Do you remember me? Yeah, familiar voice. I think I heard it 20 years ago. Now, arise, get out of your father-in-law's house and go. And you will be released. Even if your master doesn't believe in God, you will be released peacefully. Why? You have humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. You don't fight and leave your company. Your company will release you peacefully because you are humble. Then this is 31, verse 24. 31 and verse 24. God had come to Labanda. Not Israelite, Syrian. Fellow who doesn't know God. By night and said, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good or he neither needs your blessing or curses. Just be neutral, let him go. Let him go. So God can intervene. Three that you have to believe. That the God of Israel will guide you. He is my father. He loves me. He has my best in his heart. Let me learn to yield to his will. Yield to his will. And it doesn't matter. Your age is irrelevant. Because one of the first things I told one of our churches in North India, I told them, your pastor is very young. He's very, very young. He's just in his twenties. Not even married. He's a young man. But he is your pastor. Is your pastor. Learn to yield. When you fight him, you fight God. Age is irrelevant. Miriam had picked Moses as a baby. Carried him like a mother carries her own child. Put him there. Spoke to the princess. Brought him back. She had had taken care of him the years of his childhood and youth. It is when she spoke against Moses. God said, let us stand outside for seven days. Be very careful. When you yield, age has no. Your, your, your boss, your boss, may be much younger than you. Maybe less qualified than you. 
So what happened to me when I went to work with the underground church and God opened this door where I could work with the church and work in the college. I look at my principal the first time. He looks at me and he says, sir, you remember me? I said, no, sir, I don't remember you. He said, 20 years ago, I sat in your class. I said, oh, sir, I've forgotten. Never, ever crossed the line. Never, ever. One thing God told me, be careful how you deal with those who have been placed above you. It doesn't matter he's half your age. It doesn't matter he was your student. Every day, if I was passing down the corridor, he would call me, sir, 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 please come in. Because he always wanted to talk to me. You should stand there. Because you don't, you don't, uh, I told you, you guys are very familiar with authority. I would never sit until he told me to sit. Because that's protocol with authority. Today people pull their chair and sit down. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. Then he would suddenly remember, please sit down. Then I pull the chair and sit down. 20 years earlier, he didn't sit down until I told him sit down. I would do that when my students, they get up, good morning sir, and I said, who told you to sit down? I didn't tell you to sit down. You took it for granted, I said, stand there until I tell you to sit down. Stand there. Now it is reversed. He's sitting and I'm standing. You have to understand, God has got this order in his kingdom. In his order. And we are part of that kingdom. Learn to respect authority. Because if you learn to respect authority, even when you have issues with unfair authorities in your secular places, you will always learn how to handle those issues without breaching protocol. And they will always respect you for that. They will say, okay, he had an issue, but he dealt with it very honorably. Very honorable. Instead, people fight because so many jobs are available today. They pride, they fight, they shout, they scream, they throw this thing and they walk away. God says, you're going nowhere. But Lord, I was right, he was wrong. He said, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at your behavior. You are a person who is not yielded. And I cannot lead somebody who is not yielded. I yield the humble. I lead the humble. So be very careful. It's not about right or wrong. In life. Right or wrong. All of us are accountable. All of us are accountable. We are accountable to God and we are accountable to man. And then God will guide you. You will suddenly realize you make that decision in your life today. Lord, I want to yield my will. And then ask each day, Lord, give me the strength to yield. And suddenly you will realize guidance of God is suddenly clearer in 2018. He's speaking to me. Much more clearer. Things are Clarity has come. Third thing. We know that. Let's focus on that a little more. God told Martha when Martha was very troubled and anxious and irritable. No, people who serve without sitting. He said, Martha, Martha, one thing. Okay. One thing you lack. One thing you require. What is that one thing? You haven't learned to wait on the Lord. You haven't learned to sit at His feet. Wait, tarry, listen, be still. Many kinds of words are used in the Bible. When God speaks to you, there is always an urgency to obey. 
when God does not speak to you, there is always an urgency to wait and listen. Both are urgent. When God speaks to you, there's an urgency to obey. When God speaks, obey. When God doesn't speak, then there is an urgency to shut down everything else and sit down. Sit down. Listen. Because we need to hear from God. Listen. Mark chapter 9, verse 7, the Mount of Transfiguration. A cloud came, overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. Listen to him. Elijah is there. Moses is there. Peter is shooting his mouth off. God says, only hear him. God didn't say, hear his mother. Half the church would like to believe that we should hear his mother. That's not what the father spoke. Every time there was a voice from heaven, God speaking, he said, here, listen to my son and only my son. He never spoke about anybody else. Where does churches get the theology from? Where do they get their theology from? Do we get our theology from the Bible? He said, listen to my son. Listen to my word. Listen to what I have spoken through my son. Listen to that. Still, we have to be, learn to be patient. Learn to be still before God, before he will speak. In Psalm 81, this is what God says in verse 11 to 13. But my people would not heed my voice. And Israel would have none of me. They will not listen to my voice. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. God saying, oh, I wish Israel would listen to my voice. And walk in my ways. If you really look into the lives of any man of God in the Bible or outside, much of their lives was spent just waiting before God and listening. Waiting and listening. Oh, that my people would listen to me. For you and I don't listen to him. How will we know his ways? How will we know his ways? That's why God always led his men into the wilderness. So that they would hear his voice. Even the whole nation of Israel was led into the wilderness. Because in the wilderness is a place where all other voices Today, wilderness means switch off your phones, shut down your internet, lock yourself if you have no space in your bathroom. That's the only space you have, that's the only space you get. Take your Bible in there, sit there and say, Lord, I'm shutting every other voice. He always had, those days he had to always lead them into the wilderness. All men of God came with the, with the word of God because they went into the wilderness where they shut every other voice. Finally, God led an entire nation into the wilderness saying, okay, I'm cutting every other voice off. Let me see whether you will listen to me. They didn't. Wilderness itself doesn't mean you will listen to his voice. You have to learn to wait. In First Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 13, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord went, passed by, huge cyclone. All the rocks, massive sound, okay. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a still, small 
voice. Still, small voice. What came? Still, small voice. We want thunder, lightning, fire, all these things. But when God actually spoke, how did he speak? Still. What does it mean to us today? God cannot speak to an agitated mind. So agitated with so many issues or anger or problems. I cannot say, Martha, Martha, I'm sitting in your house giving you a Bible study. You can't hear my voice. Because you are agitated. There is thunder and earthquake and (laughs) cyclone going on in your heart. And you are spewing fire at your sister. God cannot. He cannot speak. Because that voice is a very still voice. Very still, small voice. He speaks. To hear, that's from where we have the term in English, pin drop silence. What does it mean? The silence... You can hear a pin drop. That's what it means, pin drop silence. Something in the heart. You're still, every other voice is still. Shut every voice out. You have learned to shut other voices out. Other voices out. To you and to my pastors, all the pastors, including last Monday's pastors conference, I had to tell them, I said, it's a, it's a shame. Every time the message is going on your phone, rings, cring, and you're going to rest. Will God ever speak to you? Can God ever speak to you? How can God speak to you when you attend your phone when God is speaking? Through any servant. That's what God tells. Finally, when God is fed up with Israel, his last books in Malachi will say, See, if I am God, where is my honor? Let me ask you students, will you go to your principal's office with your phone? If you are an employee, will you go to the CM's office with your phone? And how do you come to the house of God and let your phone ring? God saying, where's my honor? You want to hear from me? Where's my honor? I keep this here because I don't have a watch. 8.59 is the last call with the pastor from Jamshwe to pray with him. After that, there are no calls. Anyway. We don't respect God. We don't know how to be still to be able to hear this. We're saying, God, you don't speak to me. He says, I am. Every day I speak. Every day I speak. It's a whisper. Problem is you're too agitated. Storms are blowing. Earthquakes are blowing in your heart. Fire is burning with against. Fire of jealousy. Fire of anger. That's why these three things, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, three things. God says, I speak. God cannot speak to an agitated mind, fearful mind, depressed mind, discouraged mind. He cannot. You have to learn to be still before God if you want to be led. Be still. That's what God says. John chapter 20 verse 19. Post-resurrection, Jesus appears the first time. The same day at the evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of. They are petrified. Shut the door, locked everything and they are sitting there. They are probably shaking in fear. Now another Jew is going to come to finish us off. Can God speak to a set of fearful people? No. So when he comes, Jesus came, stood in the midst and said to them, Peace. For I can speak one word to you. Please, be peaceful. At ease. At ease. Peace. Peace. 
Be at peace. Everything is under control. God is in control. Let God speak to you. Be at peace. One disciple was missing that day. You know, that's why we are one day late always. Because he is the one who came to India. Thomas was missing. Actually two weeks. Two weeks later, Jesus appeared again. Thomas is very, I am not going to believe. They all said the Lord came. He came, he spoke, he breathed over us. Nothing, I won't believe. We are sign and wonder people. I have to see his hands, his side until, that also is not enough. It should not be a hologram. I have to feel it. I have to put my finger there, hand there, then only I will believe. And Jesus appeared again. What does he say? And after eight days, yeah, eight days later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door being shut and stood in the midst and said again, peace. That's the first thing God speaks to his people is peace. So that we can hear the rest he has to say. Peace. Be still. Be at peace. We are all agitated when you come to Lord. I'm coming for a word. I'm going through so much. God says, peace. With that agitated mind, you will hear nothing. Lord, you don't know I am 35. Hormones are kicking. Biological clock is kicking. No man is coming. God said, peace. You're so agitated if I were to bring a man and make him stand before you won't recognize him. Because you're so agitated at peace. When you are peaceful, then suddenly you realize, oh Lord, that man was sitting on the other side for five years. I didn't see. God said, that's what I was trying to tell you. (laughs) You You wouldn't listen to the first word I have to say. What is that? Peace. Be still. In Psalm 46, And verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Learn to be still. I'm not saying your problems will go away. It doesn't have to. If you know God is in control, if you hear from him, it doesn't have to go away necessarily. In Psalm 69, verse 13, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Lord, I know, in the acceptable time, my prayer is to you. I don't know timing, Lord. I'm very wrong with timing. So I'll be still. I know you're a God who does things in your acceptable time. Your acceptable time. You do things, Lord. I don't want to rush. I don't want to lag. I just want to be still and hear and obey because you're a God who does things in his time. In Micah 7, 7, God says, Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I look to the Lord and I will wait. I will wait because I am not sitting before some dumb idol. I am sitting before a living God who speaks. The entire Bible is a record of a God who speaks. Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. The Lord appeared in a vision. The Lord appeared in a dream. The Lord spoke through a prophet. The Lord spoke through an Urimar FM. He spoke through an effort. You name it, 24 different ways in which God speaks to his people in the Bible. I can speak to you only in one way. 24 different ways God speaks to his people in the Bible. I and you go to a living God who speaks. God says, wait. I will wait for the God of my salvation because I know he will hear me. I will wait. He will hear me. Especially with those are very important decisions you have to take. Wait. Hear from him. Why? Because scripture says, that's itself waiting itself is an act of faith. 
What does Hebrews 11.6 say? It is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is a God who speaks. You must first believe that he speaks. Otherwise what is the point in going? If you go to a government office, isn't it because you expect something to happen there? Otherwise will you go? Will anybody go tomorrow? No, because everybody knows nobody will be there. It's a holiday, right? But does God just take a holiday? The God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. He has no vacation. So everywhere where we go hoping for help is because we know it is possible it is there. We go to your God who is. Not who was or who will be, who is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says, you seek me, you will find me. I will reward you. You will not go empty. You will not go without having heard from me. You will not go without an answer. Your answer will be definitely there. Yes, no or wait. You will hear. That's what God says. Wait. Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Issue with humanity is that most people will never seek him. Unless we have real trouble in our life. First, when we have trouble, we will try every other method. Last resort is God. So God waits. Every method possible, Jacob will try. God says, wait. I will wait. You try. You, I know you, fellow. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I separated you also. But to straighten you out is going to take a long time. He's one guy, finally God lost patience, which is, I can't wait for this guy. This guy will never turn. So God jumped on him and wrestled with him. It doesn't say Jacob wrestled with God. It says God wrestled with Jacob. It was not Jacob who initiated the struggle. It is God who initiated the struggle. God said, I'm losing patience with this man. Because he will still try to do something. Last Chalu is a tip. I, I think he was Indian. Okay. In his thinking. Was absolutely Chalu. Okay. He says, Esau is coming with 400 men. Let me do one thing. I have uh, quite a lot of concubines, quite a lot of children. Let me divide them. Concubines, children one side, wife, children and Rachel and uh, Joseph one side. And there is a river. And I will cross the river and I will go to that side. So if for Esau to get me has to come through all these people, including my wife. Then only he will get me. He didn't know God was waiting for him there. That is still the last minute thinking is crooked. God says, I am not your last resort. I am your, should be your first resort. Even then, you know what? When we rush into his presence, he still answers us. Isn't that awesome? After the mess he did in his life, 16 months in the Philistine territory, broken, he cries out to God, God immediately answers. This should encourage us, no? What a mess he made 16 months, David. And he says, bring the effort, Abhyatar, Abhyatar, bring the effort, effort, ask, inquire of the Lord, what should I do? Immediately, the telegram, immediately, what? Three words, pursue, overtake, recover all. What more do you need? What do you need? How clear? To the situation, the answer is absolutely clear and direct. There is no confusion with this God when he speaks. No confusion. The problem is, most people don't want to pay the price to hear from God. They don't want to pay the price. They are content with second-hand revelation all their lives. 
We all begin with second-hand revelations. But don't end your all your life with second-hand revelation. Exodus 20, verse 19. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us. Lest we die. Some people think if you fast to hear from God, they will die. Nobody has died seeking the face of God. They have lived. Most people don't want a personal encounter with God. It's okay. That's fine. I'll go to church. That's what we pay the pastor for, right? Every church, that's what they think. Pastor is called to study, to preach and bring us the word of God. That's enough for us. The rest of the week, we will do what we want. God says, that's not what I said. I am a father. Not to him alone. Whichever pastor, priest is. I am a father to all. And I speak to all. Jesus heard. And he always heard. And he always obeyed. And because he always obeyed, he always heard. He heard. He obeyed. And because he obeyed, he heard. That's what he says. John chapter 5 and verse 30, he says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. There are two things. One, I seek my Father's will. I don't seek my will. What do you want me to do, Lord? Because I am yielded to His will, I hear from Him. When I hear from Him, I make judgments in my life. My judgments are always righteous because my right judgments are not my judgments. Those are his judgments. And his judgments are always right. Do you see how he puts it across? It all begins with this. I do not seek my will. Try that this year. Lord, whatever you pray, go before God and say, Lord, I'm not seeking my will in this issue. I'm seeking your will. I am seeking your will. Then you will hear from God. And then the judgments you make in your own lives will be righteous because you didn't seek your will and you heard from God. And God's judgments are always righteous. You have to learn from the Bible. When God wants to do through a man or a woman a great work, He has to lead that person and bring that person where he will actually hear. It's easy to live life on second-hand revelation. Very easy. Why? You can live, live a good, righteous life on earth with never fulfilling your destiny. To fulfill your destiny, you personally have to hear from God. Otherwise, you will never fulfill. That's what the people say. No, 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 no. Moses, you hear. We are fine. And they were fine. They ate for 40 years. They drank for 40 years. They walked for 40 years. They were clothed for 40 years. They had sandals for 40 years. And they died after 40 years. Nobody fulfilled their destiny. These are two different things. If you are only dependent upon second-hand revelations, it is fine. All those revelations may be 100% true. You can live on them. But you will never fulfill your destiny. Never fulfill your destiny. Fulfill your destiny. However small it may look in the eyes of the world. It doesn't matter. Like I was telling the young people today. If you take a car, looks so nice, polished, wonderful. But when you open the bonnet, you will see so many nuts. If you 
you take one of those nuts off, a little later the car will crash. The nut, its destiny is to be that part. Its destiny is to be that part. And that is its destiny. You take that, the fuel line will start leaking. Before you know, the whole petrol is gone, the car has stopped, nobody is able to go anywhere because one nut was gone. But that was the destiny of that nut. That nut anywhere else, people will look at it, appreciate it, children will play with it, it never fulfills its destiny. We are all parts of the same body, but different parts. Different parts. If you don't understand and hear from God, wait on God, seek His face, hear from God and fulfill our purpose. Purpose. We may not never. That's what Paul will use in the letter of the Corinthians. Some parts are never seen. Never seen. How many organs can you see? But they're all playing a part. That's why you're, you're sitting here. Your body is functioning. In the same way, every part in God's body has a particular function. And you will find it only from seeking God. And that is our God-given destiny. That is our destiny. That is what I was created to be. That becomes your life, my life. And then you and I, our life becomes part of God's history on earth. Not our history, His history on earth. So God often has to bring people to the point where they are able to hear. Forty years it took Him to speak to Moses. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 4, scripture says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. How many years? Forty years in the wilderness. Until every other voice is still. This man has got an incredible destiny. You know, this destiny of this man is to lead Israel out of Egypt. To stand before the most powerful man and speak to him and say, let my people go. Because the God of Israel so commands. But he could not hear his destiny because the voices were too many in his ears. It took God 40 years to shut him down in the wilderness, the backside of a wilderness, humble him down, humble him down, humble him down, humble him down. Finally, he comes to a point of humility and isolation. Then he hears, Moses, Moses, here I am. God says, your life begins now. Destiny is defined today, whether you will obey my voice or not. It's better than to take that long. Then go into your prayer closet and start seeking the face of God and say, Lord, here I am. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. Teach me, Father. Speak to me, Lord. What do you want me? And he will say, I will tell you. On the way. You're on the way. Get ready. You're not yet ready. You're not yet ready to tell me what you are for because you will run now. I'll tell you. But he will speak because you and I serve a God who speaks. You're looking at how we cross over. Because I really, really believe 2018, this year, so many people, their destiny will be fixed. If you seek, He will speak to you. He will speak to you. It will define your life. It will define your life. 2018. Next step, we go to Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Says, you want to hear Next step we learn. You want to hear? God says, sanctify yourself. God is not saying, I will sanctify you, which he does. God says, you sanctify yourself. Remember 40 years earlier, this is what God had told them in Exodus 13 and verse 1. He told them, 
Consecrate to me all the firstborn whoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast. It is mine. God spoke to them and what did he say? This is the same word. Sanctify and consecrate is the same word. Consecrate means set apart to me all the firstborn. Why? They belong to Sanctify yourself. Means consecrate yourself. Because they belong to me. Every firstborn. Now let me tell you in the new covenant the difference. The new covenant difference is this. In Colossians 1.15 scripture says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the firstborn. Set apart for God. But there is a problem. In Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26, 27 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many as you were baptized into, have put on. So we are all part of the firstborn. Everyone who has actually been baptized in Christ is part of the firstborn, mean positionally has been set apart for God. We are not separate, separate, set apart for the world, for any career, unless God chooses it for us. We have been set apart for God. We are set apart for God because we belong to God. In Christ we belong to God. So consecration means, sanctify means set apart. And from Exodus 19 verse 10, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. So consecration also means to cleanse yourself. For them it was outwardly, for us it is more than that. So what does scripture, what does it mean? What is God talking about? There are two sides of sanctify. One, we are separated. Two, we are cleansed. That's the order. Listen again. We are, and then we are sanctified. He never sanctifies an unseparated people. He first separates, then sanctifies. In Acts chapter 2. Verse 40 to 42, with many other words he testified, exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. This is the gospel on the first day. Then those who gladly received his word were, they were separated from the crowd. 3,000 souls were added to them. Then, verse 41 and 42, they continued steadfastly, sanctification work has begun. If you are not separated, you cannot be sanctified. What we try is we try sanctification without separation. That is why it does not work. If we try consecration without separation, it will not work. That is the devil's idea, not God's. What did I say? Devil also has a theology. He also believes in sanctification. Because he knows he cannot fight God's ideas. Because he knows God's ideas are powerful. He cannot openly negate it. He knows sanctification. So what does he tell? Yes, you can be sanctified. But you don't need to be separated. I'll show you. Don't listen to me. Listen to scripture. Exodus chapter 4 verses 21 and 23. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt and see you do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. 22. Then you shall say to the Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my, my firstborn. Next verse. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. Let my son go. Let my son go that he may serve me. 
Chapter 5 verse 1. Again God will say. Afterward Moses and Aaron went told the Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Let my people go. That they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Where should they go? The wilderness. We never, we never saw worship serving God as a feast. Right? We look at it as us. When will the service finish? It's just called a feast. Just called a celebration. To come out of the bondage of the devil and to serve God is a celebration. Take them to the will. Let my people go where? Into the wilderness. Let them be separated from this place. So they can serve me, worship me. The devil does not want that. What did the devil say through the Pharaoh? In chapter 8, verse 25. The Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice your God in this. <laughs> what do you want? You want to worship? You don't need separation. You, don't need separation. you can worship here. Why do you have to be separated? Who told you you have to be separated to worship? Who told you you have to be separated to be worshipped? Don't need to. God said be separated. Then you will be sanctified. The devil says you don't have to be separated. That's why a generation struggles hearing from God. Because they refuse to be separated because they have taken a doctrine which is not of God. They want to live in this land, be in this land, look like the land, act like the land, talk like the land, talk all that stuff. You know, it's so easy for the modern system because everybody uses internet, phones. You know, it's so easy for the system to know your habits. I know your habits. Strange, right? Everybody who's in the WhatsApp group, I know your habit. I can just look at one week and know you, tell your pattern, what time you wake up, which message you listen to first, what is the jokes you listen to. In, in a way, I can actually make out each one of you in the group. It's not difficult. Because habits are patterns. Those who forward without looking ahead, whether the, it is already there or not. It's a pattern. There are a lot of people who forward and then will say sorry. Without realizing, because they never went to that beach. And you will see once, twice, three times, and you realize this is a pattern of these people. These are only forwarding people who are not people who are reading. If I, with this instrument, with this basic knowledge of computers, can make out your habits, think about the internet companies. They know what you are shopping. You know what you are watching. They know, and appropriately, they give you that ad on your page. But they know your habit. They know you. The Antichrist, the beast, has a database on everybody who is on the internet. He's got a database on every person. You are already wondering about the uh, Aadhaar card. He already knows your IP address. He knows you. But our God knows better. So what does the devil say? You don't need to be separated to be sanctified. Be part of the land. Be part of the crowd. to the crowd. God says no. That's not what I said. You want to hear me? Sanctify yourself. I want to do amazing things in your life. I want to do amazing things through you. Sanctify yourself. How will God tell it through Paul to Timothy and to us in 2 Timothy? Therefore if 
anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Sanctifies himself. See, we have all these apps which are called smart cards and so many things, right? God is not looking for smart vessels. He's looking for clean vessels. The world is looking for smart vessels. God is only looking for clean vessels. And he always has been looking for clean vessels. So he says, I will cleanse you if you will cleanse yourself. I will cleanse you if you cleanse yourself. You will be useful in the masters and prepared for every good work. How do you do that? He's telling young people, especially here, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. You have to do both. You have to do? Flee? No, we have seen always. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. Different things we have looked over the weeks. Here is another one. Flee. Youthful lusts and pursue. How do you know you have fled? How do you know you have fled youthful lust Or whatever lust? How do you know? Just because you didn't do it for two weeks? No. That alone is irrelevant. It's because after that, you choose a company that doesn't go that way. That shows you are serious. Pursue a righteous crowd. Faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I tell young people, I will know you have changed when I see your company has changed. Otherwise, it's just a matter of time will you go back to the old ways. It's not going to change because scripture is very clear. Very clear. We leave one thing, we pursue another thing. Leaving alone without pursuing is not going to work. It's not going to work. It's never going to work. You have to leave, you have to pursue. That is where church is important. That is where fellowship is so important. If you are a one day matram person, you are going nowhere. You're going nowhere. You'll go to heaven. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. You'll go to heaven. You'll never fulfill your destiny. For fulfilling destiny, there is a leaving and there is a pursuing along with others. And I'm talking to young people about your destiny. About your destiny. Don't miss your destiny. That's what scripture is talking about. Flee and cling to another. Pursue. Pursue. John 17, verse 17, scripture says, Sanctify them, O Lord, by your word. Your word is truth. By your truth. Sanctify them by your truth. So you leave other stuff which you were reading and you pursue God's word and the cloud of witnesses who also have written. You have to leave one and to pursue. You don't leave it empty. You don't leave. You have hooked on to movies. You leave that and start listening to Ravi Zach and Zach Boon and others on the internet. Watch. If you are addicted to watching, watch and listen. Leave that and pursue this. Then you are serious. Otherwise the devil will come in another form and fill the gap. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Because God's, it's very clear guidelines given to young and old. This is how you leave and this is what you pursue. Then God says, you are serious. I know you are serious. 
Because the word of God demands action. Demands action. This is for us. Our good, not for God. Because like Jonathan gave a verdict about how God works long time, thousands of years later. What is this? God, Jonathan said when he was going up the hill, God can rescue it. Few or many. God doesn't need numbers to do his work. He has never done his work with numbers. He always done with a few people. But if you and I are part of the few people, it's good for us. God doesn't need numbers. It took 11 Dharpuk disciples, turned the whole world upside down. Not a big deal. I can't do any pick, very clearly pick people who were illiterate. I don't want your wisdom. I don't want your learning. I don't want your intellect. I don't want your strength. I don't want your qualification. Come over here. I will change you, sanctify, fill you with my spirit. Go turn the world upside down. They did. So God is not dependent upon numbers. Two old men, 180-83, walked over to Pharaoh, stood before him. One said, I cannot speak. God said, okay, you speak to him, he'll speak for you. He said, you tell this. Aaron stood there shivering and said, let my people go. They had to go. It will say Aaron, uh, Moses spoke, but it's not Moses who is speaking. It's Aaron who is speaking. Because Moses told God, I cannot speak. God said, okay, your brother is coming, he will speak for you. Our privilege, our honor, if we are counted among that. Sanctify your Lord by your word. Your word, this sanctifies. How does it sanctify? I need the word. So I read the word, I hear the word, I listen to the word, but when I apply it, it sanctifies. But to apply, I need to hear. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. And how will they hear? Unless you are sent. That's why preachers are sent. So that people will hear. And when you hear, today, I don't know how many things you heard from God. God says, it will work. If you obey. Psalm 66 and verse 18, this is what God says. If I read, regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Should not hear me. Will God hear? No. So the word of God comes. There is conviction. Conviction has to lead to contrition. Contrition has to lead to confession. Confession will lead to cleansing. And cleansing will lead to clarity. That's how it goes. First is conviction. For conviction you have to hear the word. You cannot run from the word. You have to run to the word. It will become conviction. Conviction should bring contrition. It will lead to a confession. Yes, Lord, I am. God says the blood of Jesus cleanses only those who confesses. Scripture is very clear. If you confess, the blood of Jesus cleanses. How can the blood of Jesus cleanse anybody who hasn't confessed? No. But God says if you confess, the blood cleanses. Suddenly there is clarity. I don't know what he said. Ziklag is burned down, 16 years of mess. Everybody's hand is against. He went on his nose and said, Lord, I did all this. I didn't believe you. I rushed in the Philistine camp. I acted like a Philistine. I have done all these terrible things. Lord, forgive me. God said, here, take your destiny. Clarity. You cannot circumvent God's order. You cannot.
Proverbs 8 and verse 20. I traverse in the way of the righteous in the midst of the paths of justice. God says, I lead. I lead you. In what? In the way of the righteous. In the midst of paths of justice. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgments. God says, that's how I lead you. Oh, we love Psalm 23. Oh, it's so comforting. I just recite it before I sleep. But what does scripture say? He leads me paths of righteousness for his namesake. Is it easy to lead somebody in the paths of righteousness? So this psalmist will say, your staff and your rod, they comfort me. First he walk in front of me, says, follow me, and I follow him. Little way I go this side. He comes behind me and says, get on back on the road. And he says, ah, they comfort me. That's God. That's why it's called staff and rod. We want always it to be a staff. He says, I would love to. But with you, it's not going to work. Most of the time, it is the rod. Paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why? Because we are not under the law. We are under grace. We are under grace. We have a new priest. What is the priest's name? Hebrews 7. He testifies, you are a priest forever, Jesus Christ, according to the order of... What does Melchizedek mean? Prince of righteousness, king of righteousness. Who is our king? King of righteousness. He wants us to lead us in paths of righteousness. And what does the promise this king gives in verse 25? Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. If you come to God through Melchizedek, he will save you to the uttermost. We are honest with him. Let me tell you, he will never be silent to us. And you will see in the word, he was silent to many, many people in the Bible after a point. When he refused to speak to them because they refused to be led by him. God always leads his people forward. Sometimes I think the only thing that is going forward is the forwards in our WhatsApp. He takes you forward. He takes you deeper. Takes you forward. The river gets deeper. Remember Ezekiel's river. He takes you forward and he takes you deeper into the paths of righteousness. Because that's called growth. You cannot dwell in his presence and regress. No, you grow. You grow. 2017 asked, did I grow? 2018, do you intend to grow? For thousands and thousands of years, maybe two or three thousand years ago, a woman, a simple woman who cried out to God for a child and finally God answered that cry. This is what she said, First Samuel chapter 1, 27 and 28. For this child I prayed. The Lord has granted my petition which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. A simple woman. She brought the child, four years or five years old, to Shiloh, to the temple, and said, I asked you for a child, you answered my prayer all the days of his life, he's yours. And I leave him. And they worshipped. He worshipped. And the parents left. Then scripture says, in chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, Samuel ministered before the Lord 
even as a child. Even as a child. Even as a child. Instead before the Lord. It depends upon your parents. You don't have to run around every time your child is running around. You don't have to. If you have trained your child at, when they are at home, they will not run out in the presence of God. They will learn how to be silent. I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you it can be taught. The best age children can be disciplined is when they are small. If you show the appropriate reverence for God, for prayer and Bible study at home every day, it will get into their head when singing starts. We need to be silent because that's what we learn at home. Practice it today. Start having worship time with the children today. Because I also had babies. And I took them to the church. They never disturbed. They never did. They disturbed when they grew up. When they became rebellious. When they were small, they were always taught. You don't disturb in church. It's a house of God. Children can be taught, but they see that at home, that the parents worship. The parents study their word. The parents pray, and that God is revered at home. Try it. Start it. Start it today, husband and wives. Instead of fighting, start praying. Instead of arguing before the children, start praying. Honestly, start praying and singing and worshipping at home. The children will get it. Children are the best imitators in the world. They imitate everything. You can. Honestly, you can. I love children. Sometimes I think I love your children more than you do. I wouldn't mind if you left them at my home. I will take care of them. It's the best thing you can get is a child early who will stand before God bearing and minister to him as a child. You know what scripture says? Moreover, His mother used to make him a little robe and bring it him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Every year, the mother would come from the home. Only once a year he saw his mother, he would come. But in her mind, she knew, Samuel has grown a little more. In her mind, she's stitched. Okay, this will fit. And every year, I believe, it fitted him. The question is, if God were to stitch a robe of righteousness, for us, for the next year, will it fit us? Or are you still wearing the same robe that was stitched for you 15 years ago when you got saved? Because in the spirit there is another robe, which is called the robe of righteousness. Scripture says in the book of Revelation, the bride has made herself ready and she was given white garments to wear. But she stitched it. For 2,000 years, the bride has been stitching her gown. She knows her size. She knows exactly on the day of wedding how big she will be. How tall she will be. Do we know? Are we growing? That's for the question. Are we growing? Are we growing? We are not growing. We need to be serious because nobody will know. Only we will know. And God is concerned. Are we growing? That's the question. Are we growing? And then chapter 3 verse 19 says, And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. None of his words fall to the ground. Then how does it close the chapter? Chapter 2 verse 21. Then Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And that's what does the next verse say? And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Meaning, as you grow in the Lord, God also increases the area of your influence around you. 
It's a growth of righteousness. The word of the Lord. He stood as a child before the Lord. And now the word of the Lord has gone from him. All Israel. That's destiny. His destiny. That's what God is talking about. One woman. What do you know about Hannah? One son, one song. That's what you know about Hannah. She had one song and she sang a song. The son God used till the last breath. And that woman's song is recorded in the Bible as the song of Hannah. What do you know about Mary? One son, one song. We know all about her son. His name is Jesus Christ. But we also know about her song. It is called the song of Mary. That should be our destiny. One destiny. And there should be a song. My soul rejoices in the Lord. My God. My Savior. Don't waste your life, children. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Don't waste your life. Seek God this year. Be serious about it. But let me tell you. Be serious about it. Because he leads his people in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He takes us through paths of judgment. Because he wants to make us like himself. Discipline yourself. Discipline. Honestly. Keep telling these simple instructions. Go to sleep early on Saturdays. Don't don't come to church taking all that trouble and sleep here. What's the point? What's the point? Honestly, I'm talking to young people. What's the point waking up at 3 in the morning? Because I see some people are awake at 3 in the morning and you come here and sleep. You should at least sleep till 6 in the morning and come here and be awake. It's good to wake up at 3 in the morning. I believe Jesus woke up at 3 or 4. But he didn't sleep. Finished his work and he slept. Discipline is good. If it is used profitably in the kingdom. Young people, remember, even indiscipline is discipline. You have been disciplined yourself in ways of indiscipline. It's true. I'm telling you, all these young people are disciplined. You give them a computer, they can sit before that for hours together. Meaning they're disciplined in it. They are. It's a discipline. It's not an indiscipline. It's a discipline. But an indiscipline. You already have it. It's not that you don't have it. You already have it. Just turn it around to the kingdom of God. And say, Lord, 2018 is the year of destiny, I believe. I want to take hold of my destiny. I'm going to seek you. And you said if you seek me, you will find me. You're going to speak to me. And I'm going to let this year define my year. If you are a mother, it is like Hannah. One child among many children. How many children did Hannah have? Many. Do you know their names? How many children did Mary have? Many. Does anybody know the names of other children? Hardly anybody knows. But everybody knows that one child, right? That is your destiny. So mother, maybe that's your destiny. Be a destiny's child. Cross over. Shall we stand?
Father, we just come to you, Lord. We learn from your history. We learn from Israel that came out. And we learn from Israel that crossed over. We learn from both generations. Both had the same God. Same promises. Both generations had mighty leaders. But ended up at two different destinies. You are telling us today. You can have the same God. The same word. You can have wonderful leaders. But if you do not choose. To hear. And to obey. You will forsake your destiny. I pray, Father, here today, we will choose. We'll choose life. We'll choose your blessings. The blessings of obedience. We'll choose you. For your word says, you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Cause us, Lord. Cause us. We disciplined ourselves in so many other ways, Lord. This year, teach us to discipline ourselves in the ways of God. To seek you early. To seek you with a cleansed heart. To humble ourselves before thee. Then you will visit us. Then you will speak to us. Pray, Father, this year. Especially pray for these teenagers. Especially pray for these teenagers, Lord. So many of them. Spoke to Samuel as a child. He anointed David as a teenager. Joseph stood as a young man in Babylon, in Egypt. David took a decision as a young man in Babylon. I pray this young man will choose to stand with God and to stand for God. This young man and this young girl's Lord will choose to stand. And they can look forward to years and years and years of walking with you, Lord. And serving you if you tarry to come. Kings will come, governments will change, but they will stand before you all the days of their life, Lord. I pray they will choose this day whom they will serve, whom they will walk with, whose voice they will obey. They will flee and they will pursue. Let not the devil steal their destiny, Lord. For many are called, few are chosen. I pray these young ones will be part of your few. And I bless them in your name. I bless them, Lord. Young and old, I bless them, Lord. With hearing. With hearing from God. That their ears will be opened. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over the years, over their minds. Cleanse, Lord, cleanse. Oh, Spirit of God, with fire, cleanse our minds. 
cleanse our ears, cleanse our hearts, that we might hear what you have to say. That these children may hear even what we elders do not. Let them be innocent of evil, but be excellent of what is good. Bless them, Father, with your spirit. Bless them. Fill them. Use them for your glory. And every older person here too, Father. You are the father of the unborn, the born, the infant, the young, and the old. And you have promised your righteous will be like trees planted by the waters. They will bear fruit even in their old age. I pray for the older ones, Lord. They will continue to bear more fruit, O oh Lord. As we seek you with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. For in Jesus' name we pray. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.